Okay, good evening, everybody. I'm here with the wonderful Dr. E. Michael Jones. How are you this evening? This Just great, Gemma. Just That's great, good. Gemma. That's good. You know, um, I meant to say to you, uh, since we last spoke, guess what has happened in Ireland? And I can't believe that it had anything to do with our last conversation, but they're actually moving now, Michael, to bring in um, anti-Holocaust hate speech. So probably the next time we talk, we won't be able, unless we can say, I had a relation who died in the Holocaust, because that seems to be the key phrase, and then you can talk about it. Right. Well, are they following Canada? Canada just passed a law. Um basically criminalizing any criticism or explanation or uh, discussion of the Holocaust. This follows completely uh, lockstep with what happened at the um, trucker convoy protest. If you remember that, uh, it was, uh, I think Trudeau was caught unawares. These are Canadian people who are sick of the lockdown. It's affecting their livelihood. They've had enough. Uh, we want to protest, and C Trudeau didn't know how to deal with it. He was caught unawares. And so what do you do when you don't know what else to do? You drag in the Holocaust. And so Trudeau says, well, they're not Canadians. They're Nazis. They're Nazis. I saw someone carry a Nazi flag. As soon as you invoke the Holocaust, the discussion is over. Okay, there's nothing more to say. All you do at this point is call out the police, and you shoot them. That's all you do. Now, they didn't do it exactly literally. They just uh, uh, froze their bank accounts, which is probably worse than being shot. Uh, uh, so this is this is going on here. The, the, the great. I have to hand it to you. You, you. you need to take the credit for this because it literally happened days after our last conversation. And I had said to you, until you understand the Holocaust and the narrative of the Second World War, you can't possibly understand what's going on now. And the Hegelian dialectic and problem reaction solution. So, you know, within a matter of days, government moves to introduce Holocaust. Now, specifically the Holocaust. Now, I, I don't know. I was thinking about it. Did they mean the Irish Holocaust? Because, there, were, you know, we did have a Holocaust, but we, we don't win, John, about that. We had several actual Holocausts. Uh, we had a big one in the, the whole, 1840s. The, the whole the whole 19th century uh, in Ireland was a period of famine that reached yeah. its culmination in 40, 46, 47, when the entire potato crop failed. No, you're no, not allowed. Was, you're not allowed to have uh, your own Holocaust. There's only one Holocaust, and that is the one that the Jews are forcing on the entire world. This is ironically, there's another Holocaust that you're not allowed to talk about, and that's the one in the Ukraine. Uh, they had their own famine artificially created by uh, uh, apparatchiks from the Soviet Union, one of whom was Lazar Kaganovich, who happens to be Jewish. And so you, that you're not allowed to talk about that either. There's so much you're not allowed to talk about. And once you have these Holocaust laws in place, you're not allowed to talk about anything because all they have to do is call you a Nazi. And then you're already dead. You, you've already committed a crime. It's that simple. This is a form of control that has to be exposed, and we have to hold the line on this. I don't what what are the Irish politicians thinking here? Since when do the Irish have anything to do with uh, promoting the Holocaust? Well, you see, the beauty of our country is we stayed out of Second World War because 
the people who founded the state and who wrote our constitution, they understood exactly what was going on. They understood Freemasonry. They understood who was funding uh, the Nazis, as in the Zionists. They understood who was funding Churchill, as in the Jews and the, the Zionists. They got us. They got it and they kept us out. And that was because we had this Catholic legacy, which helped us to understand the nature of Judaism. <laughs> because when I was growing up, you know, we prayed for the Jewish conversion. Right. But we didn't fawn over Jewish people. The Jews were the people who crucify Christ. And every Irish person over 30 knows that. Right. And that's how they were reared. And they were reared to have this sense of, look, you know, sadly, the Jewish people haven't done, you know, they haven't necessarily been wanted around the world because they have inflicted a lot of hardship on other people. That's right. And we just have, must pray for their conversion. But that's all gone by the wayside now. You're absolutely right. There's no relevance except that they control everything and we need to say it and we need to be able to talk about the things that they do not want us to talk about. So I'm right. going to let you talk, though. This that's right. My that's right. Because otherwise uh, you, you don't have any freedom of speech. You don't have any freedom at all. This is the big crisis right now. This is the worldwide battle right now. Uh, do we have representative government or do we not have representative government? Or are we going to continue down this path where a small minority of people get to impose their views on everyone? And not only once you have laws like this, you can't have a discussion because as soon as you disagree with one of these people, you're a bad person. And that's the end of the discussion. And so you just have to sit there uh, uh, when some lady stands up and says, well, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. And once that once you have that introduction, it's over. There's nothing you can say. You can't disagree with someone who has relatives who died in the Holocaust. That's what that lady in Canada did when she got up. She got up and said he, she had relatives who died in the Holocaust. And then she said, honk, honk equals Heil Hitler. Well, that's preposterous, but I can't disagree with you because you have this privilege now uh, and you're above criticism. We can't we can't survive in a world like this. We can't pay, we can't accept this anymore. Look, I mean, the, the, the game is really up for them. And I, I heard you talking about this recently, the whole problem reaction solution, the false flags that they set up. People are really copping on to it and it is so pathetic you know i'm reminded of when we held a long demonstration at google after my youtube channel was shut down a couple of years ago and to try and stop this growing like there was more and more people all the time coming down to google hq in dublin to join me and we were building up quite a thing it was all about free speech and that youtube and google had to stop destroying free speech or sorry yeah, destroying free speech. So to try and stop this, Michael, one day they sent down one of their people who did a Nazi salute, right? At this, you know, gathering rally for free speech. They put in a Nazi to say, oh, well, Gemma Doherty must be a Nazi because somebody made a Nazi salute. I'm not going to do it because it'll be, I can only imagine what they would do with that. And you just think, oh, they're so pathetic. Can they not think up something a bit better? No, no, the answer is no. That's exactly what happened in Canada. Exactly. You pay yeah. some guy to walk with a Nazi flag and then suddenly the entire group of people has no rights anymore. No, 
No rights. You just lost every single right that was guaranteed under the Canadian Constitution because some guy got hired to carry a Nazi flag into your demonstration. This has got to stop. This has got to stop. We we know what's going on. This has got to stop. Can't go on like this. Can't go on like this. Well, look, it, you know, but they're getting caught out. I mean, their methods no longer have the shock value that they and people are saying, hang on a minute. You know, it's so obviously staged and contrived. And speaking of which, the blue and yellow disco, gay disco. What is your assessment of the situation in in Ukraine at the moment? Well, uh, it, uh, Russia has finally conquered uh, Mariupol. They've taken over Mariupol, which is a crucial city in the southeast. Uh, there's a. It looks to be there's some group. Uh, of uh, Ukrainian soldiers that are basically uh, captured in the Azov steel plant, the Azov uh, steel plant, which has about six floors underneath. It's really difficult to get into that uh, that place, or it would be very difficult to get these people out of that place. So that that's pretty much that. That that that's over, uh, and the Russians are continuing to move in this direction, the direction they started out in the first place. But you know, part of what that's that's the war on the ground. OK, the Russians are winning. You can tell the Russians are, are, are winning whenever uh, the headline in the Daily Mail or something is uh, about Prince Harry or Kim Kardashian's latest suit or something like that, because if if it were any other type of thing, they would immediately put up what they were putting up at the beginning which was basically, you know, three grannies in yoga pants stop an entire column of Russian armor. They can't do that anymore. And so the transition was to basically atrocity stories. Uh, after they realized that the Russians were winning, they started paying atrocity stories. But it turns out they're not they're not flying either. So that whole Buka uh, atrocity story turns out to be it's it's the Ukrainians who killed those people. The Ukrainians, the, these people are Nazis. They brag about being Nazis. What, what do I mean by a Nazi? Okay, this is a guy who doesn't feel bound by any rule of law or morality. They are ruthless people. And they are people now who are basically taking the Ukrainian people as hostages. That's what's going on in all of these cities. And so part of the problem here with the Azov steel plant is that they got women and children down there. Or else they're lying, but they did do a video. CNN put up a video of these women and children are down there. Uh, the, the Nazis are using them as human shields. This is the, the type of uh, pernicious warfare that's going on that is part of the program. It's not just a, 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 some type of aberration that took place in the heat of battle. No, this is part of their program. And this is why Russia feels that it needs to get in there and denazify the eastern part of the Ukraine. So the problem here is, look, every time the problem lies with the media. So they they seem they, they're trying to win the propaganda war, uh, even though they're losing the war on the ground. And, and this leads to a situation where anytime one of these Ukrainian Nazis kills someone, he can do it with impunity. He knows he can do it with impunity because the Western media are going to immediately attribute it to the Russians. This is really nasty. This is really despicable. And it's the Western media that have blood on their hands because of this. Now, one of the, one of the incidents here was the, uh, the Russians bombed a maternity hospital. 
Okay, that's went up. You knew this this was a hot item because it was all the top item on every single mainstream media platform in the West. Well, then a couple of days later, the lady, one of those ladies at the maternity hospital shows up and do a, they do a video of her. And it turns out, no, it was the Azov Brigade that took over the hospital. They took the food out of the mouths of these pregnant women. And then they fired artillery shells on the hospital. Their own their own position. They fired artillery shells on it because they knew the media would say that the Russians did it. So then this lady comes forward. She is pictured there. Uh, in a news report, an AP news report, Associated Press, that is the journal. That's the, the backbone of journalism in the United States of America. They're supposed to be impartial. The lady is telling a story about how the AP reporter grabs her, starts creating a scenario here. He's not reporting on it. He's directing the whole show because it's a propaganda campaign. So she get the, uh, a shell hits the building. The glass uh, gets shattered and some of it hits her on the head. So she's bleeding. This is great. This is great. She, he drags her out. She doesn't want to be on camera because she's got blood all over her face. But that's precisely what the AP wants. And so you've got this huge propaganda campaign. you got all of these chest thumpers who are begging uh, or to send uh, arms to the Ukraine, meaning that they're going to, people are going to die and that there's a group in power there, like the Jew Zelensky, who is willing to shed the blood of the last Ukrainian in this war that, that is being fought there when they never happened in the first place. The, this is the amazing thing. I mean, the, the, the gay, well, bisexual, I don't know actually what he is, cocaine addict Jew, is seems to be working hand in hand with Nazis. Did that ever happen before in history? No. Yes, it did happen before. Of course it happened before. During the 1930s, the Jews and the Nazis uh, had a kind of pact. It wasn't just the Jews. It was the Zionists. The Zionists and the Nazis realized that they had a common goal in mind, which was basically to drive all the Jews out of Europe. Okay, the Jews wanted the, the Nazis wanted to get them out of Germany. The Zionists wanted to bring them all to Palestine so they could take over and create the state of Israel. So they did collaborate. And it was more than just that. They also shared the same racial ideology. Both of these groups felt that they were racially the master race. Okay, Germans in many ways were just the Nazis were just imitating Jews, what they had seen from this kind of Zionist, uh, uh, what should I say? racial idolatry that goes all the way back to the gospel when the jews tell jesus christ that they have the they're the seed of abraham they have super dna so the collaboration was there and now it's it's starting up again so just to make this even more the irony even more apparent the same justin trudeau that hired that guy to carry the nazi flag through the trucker demonstration turns out guess what he's doing he's bringing nazis to canada so that the Canadian military can train them and send them back. Oh, don't so, worry. We're getting them here as well. You're yep. getting this. This is outrageous. This is outrageous. And but but I mean, let's take consolation in the fact. How can you how can you uh, or any legislative body take this story seriously anymore? I'm talking about the Holocaust narrative. How could you how could you possibly uh, want or imagine you could propose a narrative that is this phony, that has been exposed for years now on 
the entire population of Ireland or Canada. How can you think you can do that? Whatever about Canada, you know, given our history in Ireland, and I don't like to bleat on about because I can't bear victim consciousness or victim playing the victim. But if any race of people have a right to play the victim, it is the Irish end of story. And we never did. We just got on with it. And as a result, you know, maybe we should have actually taken our history a bit more seriously. Um, So the idea that we now have to bend over backwards for these Ukrainians or for any any nation, given the length that it took for us to get our freedom, it's laughable. And the Irish are going to suffer and they are suffering. They're dying in their thousands as a result of this poisonous injection. Uh, they're going to suffer because of it because they abandoned their history and they abandoned their Catholic faith. And and it's coming to them. It's coming to them. Well, that's good. I mean, if, if the <laughs> Irish people are going to wake up and realize that because they abandoned the Catholic faith, they are enslaved. They are eyeless in Gaza, grinding at the mill with slaves. Well, that'll be good. That, that'll be an example of the cunning of reason. That'll be an example of God drawing good out of evil. Because all yeah. evil, the purpose of all evil is higher consciousness. That is the whole purpose of this. That we well, now like, understand the situation better, and now we can act to prevent it from happening again. We're being given a chance, as we always are, by our creator. And will people take it, or will they continue down this road uh, to hell and you know that's where they're heading it seems but look you know there's definitely a massive change in the air we say it every time and it gets bigger and bigger but since we last spoke as well michael we've had some cultural enrichment in ireland you may have heard about it yes we had some beheadings in county sligo uh the mainstream media didn't like to talk about that but it was an islamic in inverted commas, Islamic, because I know who's funding the radical mosques as well. We go back to the same people. But it was an Islamic terrorist attack on two allegedly gay men uh, who were beheaded. And uh, that that bit of the story sort of really only very briefly got mentioned. But we had this unusual joining of um, the Muslims and the LGBT lobbies they came together it was a wonderful sight to see them together because the gays didn't want the muslims to be blamed and the muslims didn't want the gays to be blamed but you can imagine who all of the hate was directed at yes the catholics the catholics who dare to say if you bring in radical islam you're going to be beheaded if you're gay You're going to be thrown off a building, but it's all our fault. How does that work? It's the cunning of reason. Again, it it happened in a less uh, dramatic form in England when these uh, Muslim immigrants were exposed to the uh, lesbian, gay, whatever agenda, a homosexual agenda in schools. And they realized that they didn't like it and they started to protest. And suddenly realized there was a, a conservative body there of people like that uh that could be that could be mobilized you could and you could find common ground you could have something like a group that could find common ground with people who don't like homosexuality it could be a, a political coalition and that could work to the benefit against this uh this uh, homosexual lobby 
I think it could be weaponized the other way. I think this is it's possible this could be a, a false flag because what you want to do is prevent that type of link up. And so you do that by uh, getting inciting some Muslims to engage in atrocities like this, like beheadings, something like that. That's the way you would block this off. So I suspect that there's some type of something going on here, something like that, some type of uh, entrapment that the FBI does this all the time, all the time. They take groups like this, disaffected groups. Uh, we just had the situation in Michigan, the state of Michigan, where there was supposedly a plot to kidnap the governor of the state of Michigan. So they arrest six guys. It turns out that there, there are six guys uh, who were arrested, but there were 12 FBI agents in there. And nobody knew anything about weapons until the FBI agents introduced them to these weapons and bought them weapons and, and basically created the whole plot. This is classic FBI. And I suspect that something like that, something very similar could happen with the Muslims in places like England and Ireland. Yeah, I mean, to me, it seems because the, the one of the people who died was an, a party activist with one of the parties in government, Fine Gael, and he was a local estate agent auctioneer. And apparently this, you know, we'll call him like he's he's been charged, so I don't want to in any way affect the trial, but... Um, the idea being that there was some uh, gay website, dating site, uh, that he this um, the suspect was uh, a Muslim who was visiting his house. And I, I just in rural Ireland, I don't know, the idea of young Pakistani or Turkish or whatever Eastern Europe, no, Asian men, very young men going and visiting Irish, you know, middle-aged men, I don't know, in their houses. I don't think they really get away with that. But I do believe the whole thing probably was. There was some element of false flag about it set up, but we won't get the truth probably ever. <laughs> so, but well, anyway. It, it reminds me of, of what happened in Syria with ISIS, the creation yeah. of ISIS. It's the same modus uh, operandi. They cut, chop off your head. Well, who was the, who was the, who was behind ISIS? Well, it was the United States who fought against who was basically the, 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 the group that defeated ISIS. It was General Soleimani and it was the Iranians who basically went in and cleaned up, cleaned up ISIS. So it seems to me you've got the same type of situation here. Now, there's another possibility here, too. I mean, I, I was in uh, I was in Berlin in the 70s uh, when there was still a wall in the middle of the place. And I was living with uh, with Palestinians, and uh, they would just attack me no end, you know, like you Zionist pig. I I said well, I know what a pig is, but what's a Zionist? I didn't even know what a Zionist was, but they they were yelling at me because I was an American. Uh, these people were very angry, and I think part of the anger came from the fact that they were being subverted sexually at the time. So Berlin. I know this is no surprise, but Berlin is a very decadent city, and it was very decadent back then. And there was uh, prostitution, rampant prostitution all over the place. Now, you get these guys who come from a kind of puritanical uh, Islamic culture, and you bring them into a place like Berlin, uh, where it's alcohol, alcohol alone is going to cause a problem, because the Germans have a long tradition of dealing with alcohol more or less successfully. 
You know, I, I, I saw this personally when I was in there. They hired Irishmen to work on the nuclear reactor across the river from where I was. And the Irish went completely crazy because the German worker has beer on the job. So you had these Irishmen getting drunk and falling off scaffolds because they weren't used to the German way of drinking beer or whatever. Well, think of what it's like for a Muslim to come into a situation like this where they have no alcohol and where the women wear these, you know, the chatter, this modest clothing. And suddenly you're walking through Berlin and there are all these whores coming after you and so on and so forth. And they succumb and they, they're full of hatred. And you can't, the self-hatred has to be protected. So they protected it onto me, you know, because I was an American, because America had supported the Israelis and so on and so forth. This could also be a factor in Ireland as well, because you have these people coming. Any time you have a group moving into a new country, you're going to have corruption of morals. Because most people in this world think of morality as what other people do, what the culture allows, what it does not allow. If they're not moral theologians. They're not, you know, E. Michael Jones talking about practical reason and Kant's categorical imperative. You get it from the from the people you live with, and suddenly you're in Berlin, and everybody seems to be acting in a different way, and you succumb to it. And then you've got this hatred, and then you've got this projection of this hatred in terms of violence. That could be what's happening in Ireland. It could be the, as simple as that that maybe this kid was tempted. He goes on this gay website or whatever it is. He's lured into a house. He's full of disgust, and he kills kills somebody. The main source of violence against homosexuals is other homosexuals because they get into this type of situation. Yeah, exactly. And do you know, I do think um, what you mentioned earlier about there's definitely, and certainly it's happening in the States, above anywhere else the challenges now happening at a school level against the lgbt plus 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 agenda is like it they're very impressive i've been watching today some parents speaking at um i think their school board management meetings and you know where parents have the chance to to stand up and and express how they feel about the curriculum and uh, boy like they are really starting to fight back. And I think this issue is nearly becoming sort of the f- the focal point of near our attempts, our efforts to take down this awful New World Order agenda, that it will be parents standing up and trying to protect their children from this awful pedophilic right. Um, right. curriculum. I mean, where they're just talking about the most disgusting things to five and six-year-olds. Do you right. feel that? Am I? Oh, am yeah. I over-exaggerating? No, no. There, there is a gra- there is a grassroots movement, and the school unions are the unions are upset. So it it began in uh, Virginia, where basically a woman shows up and she starts. This is the book that my children, uh, five year olds, are reading, and she starts reading it. And the head of the school board says, "You're not allowed to read that. There are children here." Oh, wait a minute! You're the one who put it in the hands of these children. So it created a huge. Uh, uh, got it, media attention, and then the gov- the Democratic uh, candidate, actually the incumbent running for governor again, running for re-election, said, uh, on camera said that parents should have no uh, say in how the ch- schools are being run. Well, the Republicans jumped on that. They made a campaign video, and they just played that uh, no end, and finally they won. 
the Republican won. Now, the Republican uh, happens to be an oligarch. He works for the, one of these big uh, vulture capital firms. That's, it's always a problem. There's always a problem here. It can always revert. But it did succeed in basically overthrowing the Democratic uh, uh, regime in the state of Virginia. So that was good. That's good. The crucial thing with movements like this is that they have to find a leader. Because otherwise, it's going all kind of be individual parents here and there. They'll be isolated. But I think they may have found a leader because uh, they may have found it in the governor of Florida, uh, Ron DeSantis, who just now got a bill passed in Florida, basically uh, uh, disenfranchised Disney uh, making. I, I don't know how to put this. Disney had uh, Disney World down there. Okay. Uh, and they basically owned this huge plot of land in the central of Florida, and they had a sweetheart deal that allowed them to be the government. The government, Disney is the government of this area of Florida. They actually collected taxes. It's unbelievable. And so they're drunk with power. The Jews who control Disney, uh, who took it away from Walt Disney and his family, uh, are not going to take no for an answer. They are outraged that Ron DeSantis has entered into the school textbook uh, censorship uh, business, and they make a public statement saying we're not going to we're not going to allow this law to stand. We are going to overthrow the law of the state of Florida. And finally, someone, a politician in America, suddenly understood what was really going on, and how this is the oligarchs are basically engaging in an attempt to overthrow representative government. Finally, I've been saying this for five years. Ever since Mike Pence uh, rolled over and played dead when Mark Benioff showed up from California and told him to overturn the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. I've been saying this for years now. And last night uh, or so, there is Ron DeSantis being interviewed by Tucker Carlson. And he's saying the same thing, saying the same thing. These people in Florida are or these people in California are telling us in Florida how we're going to rule, uh, how we can run our own state. It's exactly what needed to be said. It's exactly the pushback that has to happen. But it has to happen with consciousness. And Mike Pence didn't have it. He, he just started apologizing. DeSantis has the consciousness of what the big picture is and how, it's, and, uh, how he can succeed in taking back the power from the oligarchs. And I think he could be a national leader in this regard. Yeah, he's, he seems incredible. I mean, to take on Disney, and I think a lot of people don't realize the levels of degeneracy that Disney are involved in. It, it's pure filth. I mean, and some of the symbolry is so, it's so vile and it's very, very subliminal. But of course, they've been pushing the woke agenda and, you know, obviously they're they're pushing the gay nonsense and transgenderism on very, very small children, but an incredibly powerful institution. And he is very brave to take them on. Yeah. And, and Disney is very, they're very sophisticated in yeah. terms of uh, subverting your position. So, so they have a position right now, like the, the Mexicans, what are we going to do about the Mexicans? There's a big audience. There are lots of Mexicans now in the United States. How are we going to take them on? Well, they're doing all these movies now where they're basically aimed at the Mexican population. But so you you uh, address it in, in a subtle way where you kind of 
give the people the sense that you're on the side and you're valorizing their culture. And then you inject something that basically is the subversion of it, the subversion. They're masters at doing that. That that is in many ways why why the Jews we're going to do an article on this in culture wars, an in-depth article on the whole history of Disney. But I think this is one of the reasons why the Jews targeted Disney because it had the reputation of being like wholesome, all American stuff. Uh, and so you'd create a character like uh, Hannah Montana. I've never seen this. I don't know anything about it. I just know there was a character there. And then it's, it's Miley Cyrus. And so suddenly you use that image of wholesomeness and then you subvert it when Miley Cyrus breaks out and she's doing all these slutty uh, uh, videos, music videos. That, yeah. that's, that's precisely the game. And usually they're very sophisticated to do it. But for some reason, when it came to Florida, they completely freaked out. They completely overplayed their hand as if they're maybe it was personal. I mean, maybe we're dealing with people who are uh, engaged in this type of homosexual activity themselves. It's not surprising that obviously it could be people like that and who feel very sensitive about this thing because you can't engage in activity like that and not feel guilt because you're violating the norms of natural law. You're not even in court. In a, you're not even sinning in accord with nature anymore. You're sinning against nature, and that's going to have a psychic effect. And so, when something like this comes up, they blew up. They overplayed their hand, and now look what happened. Now they have to pay taxes. Oh no! Oh no! What <laughs> did we do? Wait a minute! Stop! <laughs> Stop! We're sorry kick these homosexuals out. I'm sorry. No, let's go back. No. And it's too late now. They, they, they killed the goose that laid the golden egg. They deserve such a kicking. You know, they came to a lovely little village just on the Dublin Wicklow border and a scary, you may have heard of it, Michael last, I think it was last summer. And it was like during COVID and they just took over the whole place to, make one of their file films and like they built a big set. They turned this village into a, a Disney set. And of course, all the village were just fawning over them. They had like all the traffic was rerouted for months on end. And yeah, I really want to expose because they, they are the, the pedophilia that they're involved in, the amount of staff that they have had who are pedophiles um, and, you know, we, we just give in like we did by giving away our, you know, Skellig Michael, our precious St. Michael Island to the makers of Star Wars. I don't know if you know about that scam. No. Um, but we just bend, just bend to Hollywood whenever they come here and, you know, get their again, paying no tax um, and just taking over parts of the country for you know whatever length of time and doing whatever the heck they want so it is nauseating but they're getting a good kicking in florida and that's fantastic and the media are going absolutely crazy which is a bonus what do you make of elon musk's move on twitter do you i mean i, 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 was, don't just, I was just told that he bought it uh Apparently I, so. I, apparently, he's now uh, now in charge uh, yeah. uh, of well, Twitter. Mean, were you were you on Twitter? I was. I was banned. Yeah, I'm still banned yeah, from so Twitter. I. I had about eighty thousand. You probably had about eight hundred thousand. I, I, I don't know how many people I had, but I know that it was uh, 
it was something really bizarre. I mean, something really bizarre that I, I didn't think I thought it was totally innocuous and it got me banned. So there, there's very, there's very little rhyme or reason. These are people who have the, it's again, it's like exactly what Disney was in, in Florida. So you, you, yeah. you have, you have the best of both worlds. You, you're a private operation. And so there's no control, no government control, no due process, but yet you have the power of government. Because you have an, a monopoly situation. That is precisely the situation that has to be rectified with big tech and the big media right now. We, we, I've said this before. They have to be nationalized. Now, people say, oh, what do you want? You're a communist. You want the government. No, I don't, I'm not talking about that. I am saying what I mean by that is that the rules which govern the Constitution should govern big media. That's what I'm saying. Okay. So if it's, if it's not, if it's not illegal or libelous or yelling fire in a crowded studio, then it should be allowed. And you shouldn't have the power of government to enforce the opinions of a small minority. And we know who that minority is because we've been through this whole hate speech campaign of 2019, where the ADL, which doesn't, isn't even representative of all Jews, gets total veto power over who's allowed to talk on the internet. But, you know, okay, so are accounts like ours going to be reinstated? We'll see. He's apparently I saying don't know. he's, he's uh, well, that would be fascinating. What I mean, I was, do you know why I was banned? Now it was, it was a crime against humanity. I accept that because I published a study about the benefits of vitamin C this is outrageous. Seven, I had seven. I had the most retweeted account in Ireland of a journalist, you know, an actual journalist. But according to Twitter, my account was the most retweeted. So I was getting huge traction. But uh, because I said, actually, vitamin C can help with the common cold. Maybe you should try it before you start, you know, taking remdesivir or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, uh, putting yourself on going on a ventilator <laughs> banned so but we'll see but look he's getting 46 billion financing who's financing it who well that that's the question is are we just going to go back to the same old story where yeah. the people who are rich and powerful get to determine what we're allowed to say that that's the problem the problem is in many ways that it first of all it's too big like mm -hmm. something like amazon or walmart they're just too big and they have too much power because they're so big. But but secondly, what are the rules that are going to guide these things? You've got people who are basically that doing what happened in Florida. We are going not only are they not going to follow the rules, they're going to overturn the rules. They have so much power. They're drunk with power. This is precisely the position that Google was in in Ireland. They were drunk with power because they overthrew the government. They, they changed the Constitution on, on abortion. Uh, uh, they overthrew the whole the whole gay marriage thing. They have way too much power. You know, how are we, they, how, are, they, how are we going to deal with this? How do we deal with this? Well, we switch off, you know, we just walk away from their system and we build our own system. And I, I do think increasingly people are I mean, our own system will consist of a being able to grow your own food, being completely self-sufficient from the state, not reliant on it in any way, and it will collapse. And it's so easy 
if people just could see how easy it is, especially in an agricultural country like Ireland, you know, the system is going to kill you. It's designed to kill you. If you want to be part of it and keep getting your jabs, okay, that's your decision. But you can also take a very easy step and walk away from it. I think that we have to take back the government. I don't think I don't think these people will leave us alone. I don't think we have an alternative of heading off somewhere. Look, America was the classic no. country where if if you didn't if you didn't like it, you could always move someplace west where there was nobody there or uh, you had a, a, an opportunity. We're reaching the point now where because of surveillance, because of all this type of stuff, that you can't escape it anymore. You have to take a stand. I I think we we have to take back the government. Well, how do we do that without violence? You're not you're not promoting the revolutionary spirit, I hope. No, but I'm I'm saying that DeSantis is an example of how to do it, how he did it in Florida. I'm saying that uh, uh, Orban in Hungary is an example. No, I'm not arguing for armed insurrection. I am not doing that at all. I'm saying it's going to come to that we are already seeing signs that the people are now waking up to the fact, finally starting to understand what this involves. And maybe maybe it took COVID to do this. Maybe it took COVID to do that. But when I mean, are, you know. Sorry, Michael. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, I can hear you. Mm -hmm. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah. I'm saying. Uh, the I don't I, I, we have to contest this. We have to contest. I mean, you're doing you're you're contesting it. OK, I'm saying you can't escape it anymore. They are. They have too much power to find out where you are. And you're in many ways, when you go off to Idaho, you're more vulnerable than you are if you stay in South Bend. It's that simple. You have to contest this. And the point is, at a certain point, we're going to have to have some type of leader who arises, who can mobilize these forces, can bring them together, focus these forces, and then start making changes. That's what has to happen. That's why I'm hopeful. Well, we have it. one. We have one. And he rose from the dead. So that's all we need. When people go back to God, they'll realize there's no man that will save them. I am I, I'm not advocating that we put our trust in princes. I understand that. But by the same token, we do. There's never going to be a world where there will be no government. It's part of human nature. And the only choice is uh, uh, what type of government is it going to be? And we have for the entire the entire world has been subject to uh, manipulation and deception ever since World War Two. Ever since the end of World War II, with the rise of organizations like the CIA, the rise of things like psychological warfare, the rise of media through things like television, uh, Hollywood, uh, the ability of them to uh, engineer consent is unprecedented. And it takes a while before people wake up to that fact. And that's what I'm saying. We're in that moment. We're doing it right now. What we're doing right now is raising the consciousness of the people and doing what I said, I wrote it in Libido Dominandi, okay? Uh, uh, sexual liberation is a form of political control. If the Irish had read that book and taken it seriously 25 years ago when it came out, they wouldn't be in the mess they're in right now, okay? Where they had to learn well, firsthand. Just, just, I'm going to try and explain it in my way, and then I want you to explain it. My understanding is that, okay, Ireland 
when we talk about the past now, when the mainstream media talk about the past in Ireland, they say people were sexually repressed because they didn't go off and cheat, cheat on their wives with their au pair or their nanny or whatever. They didn't um, had decide that they were gay after being married with five children. They didn't. They actually were quite happy to stay with the person that they married. They didn't get divorced. They were so sexually repressed. They didn't believe, for example, that there are 60 genders. Um, so that is the picture that is painted. And that is the, the Ireland that I grew up in actually was one where generally people did stay together and they worked it out if there were difficulties. And for the sake of the children, um, it was generally much better for their parents to be together. And so... But then we had in the 70s and 80s this so-called liberation of, uh, you know, the church releasing us from this repressive state that we had been in. And that meant that you could, you know, go off and have 50 affairs. And this was incredibly progressive. And you could cheat on your wife. You know, this was so liberating and you know brought so much heartache to everyone and destroyed your children's lives but this is modernism this is what this is the panacea that sexual liberation has brought ireland what do you mean by libido dominante the the, the libido dominante is the desire to dominate other people for your good uh, it's a play on the word libido, which Sigmund Freud took over, which is basically desire or the id or the passions. Okay, now you could look at it uh, that way. Uh, that's the standard liberationist view of the way things are. And the church is always cast as the villain. But you think of the hardships of the, that the Irish people faced for centuries. Uh, when, uh, just incredible hardships. Uh, incredible poverty, incredible slavery imposed on these people by the, by the English landlords, the Protestant English landlords. If it weren't for the church uh, strengthening the moral fiber of the Irish people, they never could have broken out of that. That's, that's what allowed, it was because of that, because of people being, in spite of the poverty, be people being raised in stable families, uh, with the strength that that gives you, that would allow the Irish to break free of the English. And then suddenly they take it, they're going to take it all back. Now, that requires some explaining. And I think it's easier for me to explain it since I'm biracial, I'm half Irish and half German. It's easier for me to explain it by explaining the situation in Germany, which I spent a lot of time talking about, a lot of time doing research. And I was there and I lived there and I speak the language and so on and so forth. And I had a front row seat as it was happening in Germany. So I'm, I'm over teaching in Germany. It's the summer of 1974. And I come across to Ireland to find my great, my, my relatives. And I end up, I ride a bicycle. My wife and my, my oldest son and I are on a tandem bicycle and we're riding across Ireland. We end up in Balahadreen. And there we find my great aunt and great uncle on a farm in Balahadrine. There's no running water. <laughs> it's poor. I just come from farms in Germany where they, they were rich by comparison to these people. But these poor people, they had survived. It hadn't made it to Ireland. It, 
What am I talking about? It, sexual liberation hadn't made it to Ireland at that point. It was happening in Germany. And it was happening in Germany then because Germany had been conquered by the United States of America during World War II. And the first plan was the, the Jew Morgenthau's plan to starve the German people to death. And that didn't fly because people like Americans like Herbert Hoover stood up to what he calls Semitic vengeance. And then they switched to another plan, which was ruthless social engineering of the German people, which meant exposure to pornography. Because they knew that this would break down the moral fabric of the German people. And once it was broken down, they could be easily manipulated. And I was there at the high noon, basically, of this, when Germany was being flooded with these softcore porn pornography films, like Las Jucken Kumpel and by Mjodel and Jukti Lederhosen Schulmädchen Report, 13. Folge. All this type of crap was being flooded into the country and it was having an effect. Okay? Now, why did that happen? There's the main reason it happened was the collapse of the Catholic Church. The, and it was paradoxical because this was the moment when the Catholic Church was the strongest it had ever been. The German Catholic Church, German Catholics had more influence than ever. And I'm talking about the Second Vatican Council. The Germans ran the Second Vatican Council, and there was one German in particular who really was in charge, and that was Joseph Ratzinger. He had been appointed as Peritus by Cardinal Frings of Cologne, a heroic figure, heroic figure who stood up to the Americans and said, take the food out of the warehouse, it's not theft. He stood up exactly the same type of courage, allowed him to stand up to the pornographers of his day. They had something called the Volkswartbund. It was their legion of decency. They were fighting tooth and nail. And it was an uphill battle because the Americans held all the power in their country and they wanted it imposed on the German people. And so what happened? Crucial moment, 1964. Frings is in Cologne. Ratzinger basically takes over the Vatican Council, turns it in a completely different direction. Now we're going to be positive. We don't want that negativity. And they turn the Jack Kirk Church, Catholic Church, turns its back on the Volkswagen on their own leasing of decency, and they adopt the Holocaust narrative. That's what happened. And then the Holocaust narrative through some, through Nostra Tate, that document which said the church opposes all forms of anti-Semitism. What does that mean? Through that document, the Holocaust narrative got imposed on the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church was crippled, crippled as a result of it. And we're paying the price, both in America. So the same time that everybody's focused on the council, all these Germans are focused on the council, the Jews come in and destroy uh, obscenity laws in Germany. The film in Germany was called uh, Das Schweigen. Uh, it's the silence. It was by Ingmar Bergman. It was being orchestrated by Harry Schein. Doesn't sound like Swedish to me. It doesn't sound like a Swedish name. He was a Jew from Austria who ended up in Sweden. And he was coordinating the efforts to destroy the Legion of Decency in the United States at the same time. The movie in that, this, that broke the production code in the United States of America was The Pawnbroker. And guess what that was? It was a Holocaust movie. 
The Holocaust is the vehicle that has led to the destruction of the Catholic influence of the Catholic Church in places like Germany and Ireland. So now we know that now it's time for us to wake up and start acting on what we know. Okay, that sexual liberation is a form of control. I don't have to say that to the generation here anymore that grew up with pornography on their cell phones. I don't have to tell them they're slaves. They know they're slaves. And yet knowing that is oftentimes just enough to wake up to the fact and suddenly you break free. You can break free. It's possible. I get letters every week of people who have broken free. It's possible, but you have to have the consciousness of what happened and what is going on right now. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it results in so many young men in particular committing suicide. I think it creates a sort of self-loathing. What country stood up more than any other in Europe? To, against pornography, Ireland, thanks to the influence of the Catholic moral order. Uh, also against alcohol abuse, you know, we like our temperance orders here were the pioneer movement. It was phenomenal. And it spread to where Irish missionaries went to. And um, like, you know, when I was growing up, Michael, there was no pornography in Ireland. I mean, it was just, okay. People say, oh, don't be ridiculous. Gemma, everyone had a copy of Playboy under the no. bed. You know, it was just, it was hidden. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad it was hidden because I never saw it. And anyone I knew, I don't think ever saw it. And that's, you know, I'm not exactly ancient. I grew up in the 70s and 80s. And uh, now the place is just, I mean, you know that every boy of 14 has seen it. And it's disgusting, it's vile, it's demeaning. It's, it reduces humans to the level of, I won't even insult animals because they don't engage in that. No. So it, it, I can't articulate it in the way that you can, Michael, but all of this filth that was brought in to destroy our culture, that is what has gone wrong with us. That is it. It's this obsession with the material, satisfying the flesh and the Irish have had their experience of it now and it's been a disaster. So until they start to grow up and become moral people again, there's no, there's no saving them. No, they have to return to the Catholic church. The Catholic church preserved Ireland for all those centuries. They have to return. You can't pretend that you didn't have the Catholic church. You have to go back to that. It's, there's no other way out of this. And I think also, Michael, people, Catholic, like the one thing I absolutely adore about Catholicism, and I always have, is you know exactly where you stand. For example, around issues of medical experimentation, say, that it is wrong to experiment on humans. It is wrong to use other humans in medical experimentation, such as aborted babies. Um, you just know, you know that homosexuality is a sin. You go back to your Catholic faith to check how do I live, my, how should I live my life? It doesn't change, it's constant. And what people need to do is they need to start going into their churches and approaching these priests who are lecturing them about climate change and Ukrainian migrants and that they need to have a family of Ukrainians living in their spare room, et cetera, and to say, look, that's not what you're supposed to be teaching. You're right. supposed to be teaching the Catholic faith. 
and challenge your priests. Would you agree right. with that? Yes, yes. This has to happen. It has to happen. I have a, I have a more specific question, uh, a more specific point in mind. I, I, I told you about Mick and Claire going, traveling around Tehran with them. I just have a question here. Like, how, how would they deal with the issue in Florida? How, how do, you, do you, I mean, you are elected representatives of the state of Ireland. Do you want to put yourself out of business? Do you, do you want to just become some type of adjunct of Google or, or big tech? Or do you want to represent the interests of the people of Ireland? Do you, can you seriously tell me that uh, a, a abortion, killing other Irishmen is somehow for the good of the Irish people? Can you seriously tell me that? Or is it just because of uh, experiences you had uh, growing up when you got sucked into the sexual revolution and now you're living in the aftermath of that uh, 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 with your mind darkened? Because that's what lust does to your mind. It darkens your mind. Isn't this just like simple self-interest on the part of Irish politicians? Do you really want to be a lackey of, of big money, big pharma, big media, big tech? Where would the Irish people be if that were the case in 1919? Where would you be? I, I just, I, this seems like such a straightforward proposition. I don't know how, how can you, what is the argument here? Didn't someone tell you that you're okay except for your stand on abortion or something like that? Did some politician tell you that? Oh yeah, that was Richard Boyd. Ba no, well, I mean, I, they all did. <laughs> Because you see, I, I, I was talking, I did an awful lot of pro-life work as well, but I was mostly known when I worked in the mainstream media for my work on exposing police corruption. But they knew I was Catholic. I was the only Catholic journalist bar John Waters. You know, I mean, I couldn't understand why most of my colleagues had sort of walked away from their faith, but I hadn't. I was sort of a bit of a prude, I suppose, in that regard. But I didn't, I was still one of the very few that was actually going after police chiefs of police and corrupt politicians and so on. But yeah, no, I mean, Claire Daly, to be fair, she did give me a nomination for the presidency and Mick Wallace did too. But they are, they are, well, certainly Claire is pro-abortion and I want to believe that she's a good person. She's definitely an old fashioned lefty, but I cannot believe that she thinks it is okay to exterminate babies in the place where they should be safest. I can't believe that I she thinks I, that that's okay. I had I, my wife had a call today of a woman who called from uh, New Mexico. She's been watching my videos. She's 50 years old. She had two abortions when she was 30 years old. And now she realizes after 20 years that it was wrong and it's time to go to confession and it's time to go back to the Catholic Church. So it was a great day oh, here. Great day for... for uh, God. So God bless her. I'm saying yeah. you, that's available to anyone in Ireland. Are, are you going to, are you going to keep, I don't know what sins these people have committed. I know people commit sins all the time. Okay. Are you going to follow those sins? Are you going to let those sins determine your behavior, even to the point of self-extinction, either uh, generically as the Irish people or the German people simply disappear 
uh, self-extinction as a politician because all you do is ratify the agenda of the rich and the powerful who want to enslave us all? Is that what you, is that it? Is that is that the rest of your life? No, there's got to be a better solution than that. It's got to be a better solution. Well, they're, they're, I'm sorry. They're... Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, you continue, Michael. I'm saying it's possible. It happened today. Happened today. I'm reporting to what happened something today. happened today. Okay, it's possible. Absolutely. Look, it's cowardice. It's cowardice. I really, because they're terrified to mention the elephant in the room, which is the replacement of the Irish people. The fact that we're now a minority in our own country, let's face it. I mean, you know, your your ancestors' homeland is now known as Alahadrine. You have to get that right. It's not Balahadrine anymore. It's Alahadrine because it's a Mohammedan stronghold. And that is <laughs> I know you may laugh, but oh, be careful. No. You don't laugh, oh, no. don't laugh too hard because this is now available. This is now available up there. So, um, you know, but you don't get the likes of Claire Daly or Mick Wallace talking about issues like that. That's because they know that they will be cancelled like me. They'll be, you know, have their home, the rocks thrown through their their home. And, you know, so they don't go there. And that's cowardice. Well, that's tragic. So, but listen, I don't want to keep you any longer than, you know, an hour I know is, is we're so blessed to even have you for the hour. And your new book, well, at least your updated edition of the Jewish Revolutionary Spirit is available, right? Yes, it's available now at culturewars.com. Go to culturewars.com. Yes. Um, all of my books there. are available there. Do not go uh, to the normal search engine. Go directly to culturewars.com because there's a concerted effort to keep all of this material out of your hands. Correct. Testimony to the power of the written word here. All of the usual suspects do not want you to read this material. This is unbelievable material, and everyone needs to read that book. Everything is available postage to Ireland, right? Yes, Michael? yes, yes. We're going. Yeah. We have much better service now. Uh, we have a, a broker who is getting our material through. We're having a little bit of trouble during COVID, but no problem now. We're sent shipping all over the world. We got demand from all over the world because all over the world there is this consciousness rising. Logos is rising. People are finally waking up to understand one of the most sophisticated psychological warfare campaigns in the history of the human race. And now we're starting to figure it out. And once you figure it out, you're on your way to uh, escaping it. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we are, we are winning. We are winning. The truth cannot be buried for much longer. So thank you so much. And please, God, we will talk again very soon. Michael? Thank you, Gemma. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Likewise. Okay. Good night. Take care, Mike. Take care, everyone else. And God bless.